0: Again, the URL is unchainedcrypto.substack.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Unchained, your no-hype resource for all things crypto. I'm your host, Laura Shin. If you've been enjoying Unchained, pop into iTunes to give us a top rating overview that helps other listeners find the show. Looking to advertise your product on Unchained and Unconfirmed? Reach out to Raylene at laurashinpodcast at gmail.com to find out about sponsorship opportunities. Again, that's Laura Shin, L-A-U-R-A-S-H-I-N podcast, at gmail.com to find out about sponsorship
1: opportunities on Unchained and Unconfirmed. Claim your cryptocurrency passport by connecting a node to the Bitcoin network and help it remain decentralized. Blockdaemon allows you to do just that via its multi-cloud configuration platform. Visit blockdaemon.com slash unchained and launch a Bitcoin node in 90 seconds free for 30 days.
2: The future of lending is here. Alt Lending enables companies to leverage their Bitcoin or Ethereum Assets to borrow US dollars. To learn more, go to altlending.com and use promo code Unchained for offer details for an interest-free month. CryptoCollateralized AltLending.com.
0: My guest today is Chengpeng Zhao, founder and CEO of Binance. Welcome, CZ. Uh
3: hi Laura. My pleasure to be here.
0: Binance seems to have come out of nowhere to become the world's top crypto-to-crypto exchange, but in a way it was actually years in the making. Describe how you learned about Bitcoin, started working in the space, and eventually came to launch Binance.
3: Uh, sure. So um, I first came across Bitcoin in 2013, I think around September-ish. Uh, that's when my friend Bobby Lee, uh, he used to be the CEO of uh, uh, BTC China. He introduced me to Bitcoin and his investor, Ron Cao. Both of them are a good friend of mine. Um, I looked into it and then I went to a conference in uh, Las Vegas in December 2013 and that's when I really after that conference I quit my job so I'm going to do this full time (laughs) so that
0: (laughs) and what were you doing at that time?
3: So I was running I was running I was running my other startup that I've been with at that point for eight years Um, so six partners the company's still there but I just said I want to I actually want to do to run a Bitcoin exchange with uh, as part of that startup but the other partners were not interested, so I said, um, "That's fine. I'm, I'm gonna. I know I was gonna do a blockchain, what we call Bitcoin industry back then, full time. So I just I said, okay i 'Okay, I'm gonna leave.' That's it. Yeah."
0: And that startup was actually focused on doing trading software. Is that correct?
3: Yes. Uh, what we call ultra low latency uh, trading. UL, ULL. Yeah.
0: And so at that point, I know you started working in this space. What were you doing, and how did you eventually come to launch finance?
3: Yeah. So, at, uh, so the previous startup we were doing, we were providing ultra low latency trading software for mostly invest, uh, top investment banks. Um, all the top uh, global, like the names you know, like Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, all use our system. But it's a very niche, high frequency trading tool for for uh, uh, for those guys. I've been working in the financial trading space, trade the trading technology space for my entire career. So. But when I discovered Bitcoin, I, I I just knew that was the future. So I just said I just got to be doing something in this space, and um, I I left with I left my previous previous job without having knowing what to do next. But I know where I want to be. So. <laughs> huh,
0: and so you eventually went to uh, I think you started working at blockchain.info, right?
3: Yes, yes. So uh, yes, uh, I bumped into Roger Ver in Tokyo uh, in. End of end of December, early January, 2014, and then we talked. Um, and um, I think I, at that time, Blockchain Info was just the founder Ben Reeves and Nicholas Carey, who joined like a couple months earlier. So I was the third person to join. Um, so uh, yeah. So and Blockchain Info had a great uh, or built up by one 22 year old at the time and then uh, a lot of users uh, very good feedback very good community reputation so i was very uh, lucky to be able to join that company
0: and then you went to okcoin
3: yes so blockchain.info is focused on uh, mostly a wallet and a blockchain explorer uh, so uh, my background uh, has more uh, i have more experience in trading systems and exchanges so uh, okcoin was uh, i was talking with my now co-founder He Yi, she was at, a, she joined OkCoin okay a couple of months before I did. And she said, well, like, all your experiences are in trading systems. Why don't you join us, um, as an exchange? And we talked about it for a little bit. I thought it was a pretty good opportunity. Um, and blockchain.info was growing very quickly at that time as well. And they were getting venture funding from the U.S. And the team grow to be a larger size. Um, I just said, well, uh, it's probably better. Uh, OKCoin at the time looked like a better fit for me, so I um, so I joined OKCoin. Yeah.
0: And what were you doing there? And then how did you eventually launch Binance?
3: So yeah, I was the CTO of OK OKCoin, and I was also helping them with the international side. The, the uh, because out of the three co-founders, uh, myself, Hei, and the CEO, um, I was the more sort of a uh, uh, international one. Um, but then um, we had a few culture differences. Um, my background is more international, more Western. I would say almost uh, uh, U.S. centric, where there's a lot of like I would say uh, different styles of thinking, different style of value systems. Um, so that didn't really go well. With, uh, I I just thought that was not a, that was not gonna work long term. So I left um, in just under a year, and then um, I actually after I left OKCoin, okay I actually started a different technology company with two of my other friends and then we were doing trading says we were doing exchange platforms as a cloud solution for other exchanges there were about 2000 cultures exchanges in china at the time and we were providing systems for a number of those um so we were just a system provider um and so we built uh, we built this we built a system from scratch from uh, early 2005 2015 yes and then um uh, when Binance started, we, are, we, we took us there was two and a half years of um development on the system that's already happened. Um so Binance platform was not built in one month. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and just to go back to how you were saying before that your background is more Western, as far as I understand, I think you moved to Canada when you were a teenager, right? And then you went to college in Canada and worked in New York and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I was born in China um, and then um, I moved to Canada when I was a teenager, when I was 12. And um, I spent high school in Vancouver and university in Montreal. And I did an internship in Tokyo um, as as a summer job. And then when I graduated, the same company gave me the offer that uh, I couldn't get a better one. So I went back to Tokyo. I really liked Tokyo. So I worked in Tokyo for four years and then went to uh, New York, uh, also worked in New York for four years. Um, and then went back to Shanghai uh, uh, in 2005 and then worked for eight years in the previous startup that I mentioned before. And then then the rest of history connects.
0: So the story about Binance is sort of incredible. You heard about ICOs at a potluck on June 14th, 2017. Had the white paper written in both English and Chinese within three days after that, you began your ICO nine days after that. Then you wrapped it up a week later and had $15 million in the bank. Then within five months, you turned Binance into the world's number one crypto exchange. I heard that at one point you guys had 240,000 new users in one hour I heard that it took you three months to get to 120,000 users, another three to get to 1 million, and then one week after that to reach 2 million. Correct any of this, if any of it's wrong. How did you handle this, you know, explosive growth and this really fast pace?
3: Yeah, I think handle is the right word. I think we were just lucky at the <laughs> right time, uh, doing the right thing. So, like, most of the stuff happened to us, not that's something we actually or, um, or, or, or or wanted to do. So... I think basically we were just, we, it was very lucky for us that we had the system ready to be able to handle that growth uh, near last December, early January. Um, the other stuff was uh, more random chance. Um, I learned about ICO around uh, last April, may I heard about the word ICO, but I never participated in one. I never read any white papers. I saw, again, I saw another friend of mine doing ICO uh, right in front of my, it's early June to like, I think it was May 30th to June 9th, and he raised $15 million US within 10 days. And that was, at that time, that was the largest ICO in China. And um, I know him quite well. And I was thinking, um, if he can do it, I I probably could do it too. So, and. uh, and given his background, given what he what he has done, given his uh, experience, reputation, etc., I was thinking maybe I have a good chance as well. And then I talked to Da Hong Fei, uh, the, the founder of Neo uh, and now Ontology. So um, he he was very he was very very encouraging. And that potluck dinner uh, on June 14th in Chengdu in China last year, um, everyone's like you gotta do an ICO, you gotta do an ICO. Uh, the founder of MCO uh, Monarch, uh, now they rebranded to Crypto.com. Uh, he was there. He was doing his ICO. He said, look, he, uh, it only took him 15 days, and he's still raising, but he's already reached like $13, $14 million. He, his target was 20 He's like, his preparation was only eight days. You can, he said, no, look, you can do it. <laughs> um, so so it, 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 it was that kind of environment. I said, okay, fine. Um, and I had a team already. So we, I had a team of 30-something people from the uh, from the technology provider startup. So we had a team, and it's an international team as well. So we had, we had um, uh, what we call... Uh, native English speakers. Uh, we had a larger number of them, so we just said, "Look, let's start a Google Doc, write both versions at the same time, and we changed the versions." Uh, we we basically didn't sleep very much during those two or three weeks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and then once you launched, how did you handle that massive growth? Like in five months, what were those? Like what were some of the kind of crazy moments during that period?
3: Oh, man, there were so many crazy moments. But um, initially, our growth was okay. It wasn't too bad. So initially, during the ICO stage, the growth was so quick that our, uh, our little website couldn't handle it. We we're just buying servers buying servers and buying servers. And buying servers. Uh, that, but that was during the ICO stage. Once we launched, the um, uh, growth actually slowed down a little bit uh, because at that time, everybody's chasing ICOs. Um, and um, uh, once we launched, we were a small new exchange. We didn't have that many trading pairs. We didn't have that many coins. We're, like the the, the, uh, the growth was actually just average. It was, it was just normal. And then uh, September came. There was a lot of panic. Um, there was panic selling and panic buying. Even when the market goes panic selling, goes really way down, the volume picks up, right? Because everyone's trying to sell. Uh, the trading volume mm-hmm. actually goes up. Um, and then the China last September, last, around this time, the, there was a lot of FUD or news, negative news about China. And so we had to move our servers. From, so we actually moved our servers from outside China into China first in July because they, we had a large number of Chinese users. And that was a very painful thing. And then by, in September, I told my team, look, we gotta move, we got to move them back out again. And they were like, you're crazy. Now we have a lot more servers. Uh, so, but they did it. <laughs> they did it overnight.
0: And and wait, uh, and that was why because of the ban on the crypto exchanges.
3: Yeah. So basically, there was uh, we have. Uh, I got increasing a more amount of convincing information that the ban is coming. I said, okay, look, I, there's enough. There's I, there's enough information to make a decision already. So I'm gonna make the decision. It's a really hard decision, but I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna ask the team to move it out. The team agreed. The team, after some hesitation, agreed, and we moved it out. We moved all of our infrastructure out of China a week before the ban came out, like the news came out. So we actually did it before, uh, but that really helped because now we can say, look, we're no longer in China. We move, and we were we were moving the team out of out of China as well, and we said, look, that doesn't affect us anymore. And um, and when the China ban happened, guess where all the users went, or at least all the Chinese users went. They they came to Binance, but. A couple of weeks later, we got pressure so 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 badly we had to uh, restrict the Chinese IPs. So we did that. And um, so, yeah, it was just a crazy ride. There was, there was so many crazy stuff happening.
0: And any other crazy moments that you want to mention?
3: Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know how long you want me to go on that. But, for example, during, during that time. The Chinese government asked, all oh, the anybody who's issued ICOs, return the uh, coins to the, uh, in, 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 return it, just just do the refund, just do the reverse swap. And um, of course, our coin is okay because the Binance coin is now 6x six, six the ICO price at that time. And so nobody wanted to return it for the original Bitcoins. So nobody, uh, not that many people wanted to return the Binance coin. But we facilitated a couple of ICOs on our platform, like five of them. And uh, a number of them have dropped below the ICO price. And of course, all, for all of those users, they all want to get their original BTCs back. And um, mm-hmm. we made a very hard call. And the project teams are, are, are already spent a little bit of money. They can't return the full amount anyway. We made a very really tough decision. We said, okay, Binance is going to cover the difference. We did a calculation. It's going to cost us about $6 million US dollars. At the time, that's a lot of money for us. We raised fifteen million dollars. We spent a bunch of it already. We have a little bit of, uh, left in the bank. Um, so we gotta. So it was that was like a large chunk of money for us. But we we had a we had a very quick meeting. I remember I was I was on I was on a train outside of China. We, we had a call. I said look, what are we gonna do? And I said let's let's just cover it. And so we returned the full amount to all the investors that bought through our platform, and that created such huge positive. Publicity for us in China, like every Chinese user, is like Binance is the most trusted platform. And then when the when the shutdown ha- when the shutdown of other exchanges happened in uh, around the September 30th, all those users came to us. So there was there was a lot of really tough decisions, really 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 crazy times. So we basically made a lot of tough decisions, and um, things worked out okay in the end.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we're going to keep talking about that because I'm really curious about how you do make decisions. But one thing I want to ask is, so right now, how many employees do you have?
3: Uh, we, uh, So I think today or tomorrow, we're going to cross the number 300, 300 warriors.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. And how many users do you have?
3: Uh, I think we're just, uh, I haven't checked for a while, but the re- uh, growth rate have slowed down recently uh, due to the market conditions. I think we're we're, we're a bit north of uh, uh, 10, 11 million users.
0: Okay. And there's been a lot of news, uh, you know, at different points this year about how much you're on track to make and profit this year. So right now at the moment, what are you projecting?
3: Um I think if we well, if we stay at the current rate uh if nothing uh, goes too too crazy or too low uh we should target somewhere around uh 500 to 800 million dollars this year in profit.
0: Okay. All right. So yeah, then I think that means volumes must be down because earlier some said it could be as high as a billion but maybe you know you've you've seen slower Traction on the platform. So something else I wanted to ask you about was regulation, and this goes back to what I meant about decision making. Regulation has been this huge theme in crypto. And I was just wondering in general, what your philosophy regarding regulation is and how you know how you've been approaching it as you've been building the business
3: right, right. So okay. Everybody, uh, I think, well, my philosophy on regulation is probably different from many of the uh, what we call um, the retail investors. I think especially the people in the U.S., they seem to be very heavily focused on regulation in the U.S. Uh, we are actually really not that focused on the U.S. Uh, we are focused on everything else other than the U.S. So in the U.S., there's Coinbase and Gemini and a bunch of other exchanges dealing with uh, uh, regulation over there. The rest of the world is a bigger market for us. Uh, So, And uh, the regulations differ by different countries. And um, for most countries, how to regulate this uh, industry, this space that we're in, is not very clear yet. Most of the regulators admit they're still learning and adapting and adjusting uh, or creating regulations. So it's kind of uncharted territory for most uh, countries and most jurisdictions. And we're working very closely with a very large number of them. Uh, although most uh, most of the countries we work with are relatively small in terms of a population, but we what we found is um smaller countries are much easier to work with in terms of regulations. Uh, we can meet with like very very senior people and the decision makers directly, and they don't think they are above us, or they, they, it's more of a cooperative working relationship. So, but I do you see that the uh, regulations are becoming, there's now competitions on who's the, who has the most favorable regulations, at least in many parts of the world. And, and I think these countries realize that having the, a more favorable regulation will ensure their long-term uh, success from an economic development point of view. So uh, my view is basically we want to work with people who are willing to work with us. And it's a very simple uh, simple model, whereas uh, we are not really chasing, okay, this is the most developed market. That's where all the money is. We got we to gotta get those money. Uh, we're not thinking like that. I think if, if you if you think like that, it's got to be u s. market, China market, and um, uh, wherever else. But we're more into okay, let's let's look at this long term. Let's look at this five, ten, twenty, fifty years from now, where we're going to be. So let's uh, so that's kind of our view,
0: yeah but when you say that you're looking that far in the future, then I don't understand how you could imagine that the u s. and China won't figure in
3: uh yes well no uh so yes, they will definitely fit in but um uh those larger countries are harder to uh navigate from a uh from a uh, regula- regulatory point of view because they uh, they're more complex there's many there's many many different uh regulatory bodies departments uh states or- pro- uh, provinces and federal they just they just a, it's just a very complex environment, complex environment so if you look for so our approach is let somebody else figure it out first. So for example in the US let coinbase and Gemini figure it out first. Um, they're very strong they they got the culture background they got the connections they got the they, they, they they're fully embedded over there. so um, let them figure it out first. So long term we would be we would very much be interested uh if we can and uh, but I think we're we're not the most fitted for doing for taking the initiative and being the first step in those jurisdictions whereas we are taking the lead in a lot of other jurisdictions such as Malta, such as Jersey, Bermuda, uh, uh, Uganda, and other parts of Africa uh, and some parts of Asia. So um, it's, it's really more about who takes the lead like now. Uh, from a regulatory point of view, I think the regulations will probably settle within, uh, I don't know, a year or two to three years. So uh, we'll focus on where we can add more value, where we will let other people add value where they can.
0: Well, so I find your philosophy interesting, but I guess, like to my mind, you know, some of the things that you're doing are pretty obviously in violation of securities law. For instance, Binance's coin BNB is pretty much the definition of a security, um, at least according to U.S. (laughs) securities law, because it's an investment of money. (laughs) I like that you're laughing. Um, In a common enterprise, which is Binance, and the profits of that are dependent on an identifiable party, which, again, is is in this case, Binance. So, you know, you've got that. Then you've got the fact that Binance is probably also likely listing other unregistered securities. And so, in that regard, like, do you you know, try to have controls to keep U.S. residents from using Binance or from buying BNB? Because I tested this myself and it took me like all of three seconds to create an account on Binance from here in the U.S.
3: Right, right. So uh, I laugh because I think think that's a very subjective uh, uh, view of what things are. Uh, And I appreciate that's your view. I think that's your view, not my view, to be honest, and probably not shared by most of our most of the community.
0: Well, okay, the discussion- just, just to clarify, yeah. um, multiple yeah. sources said to me that they viewed it as a security token. Combined with, you know, because there are other aspects, obviously, it's a multifaceted coin. But I just wanted you to know it's not only me. I, I discussed this as multi- with multiple people.
3: Right, right. So the, So the way I view it is basically just because multiple people around the world have a view doesn't mean that we all agree. <laughs> so, uh, but there's there's no legal definition that a certain coin, at least uh, Binance coin is not, at least not defined legally by anybody as a as a, as a security. Uh, many people may think themselves, or there may be even a common opinion, it may or may not be. I I, can, I, I think for every person that you find that who, who thinks that way, I can, I can find more people who are not, I can find ten people who thinks otherwise. So I think it's a, it's a difference in opinion, but it's definitely not classified legally or uh, anywhere as far as I know. And to be honest, even if it's classified legally in some countries, it's probably classified differently in other countries. And the whole discussion about whether a coin is a security or not uh, only came some within the last, I don't know, six months or so. Before that, there was there wasn't any discussion about whether a crypto coin or ERC twenty coin is or is not a security. Nobody cared. so oh, no
0: no no! Just just for the record, yeah. I've been discussing this issue with sources since mid twenty sixteen. So like, people can listen to the podcast I did in September 2016 with Coin Center. We were we talked about that. Okay. so I mean, yeah, this is like kind of a known thing. But I mean, regardless, so, you know, is it is that why? Like, I mean, do you try to uh, enforce controls to keep U.S. residents from using Binance or buying BNB? Uh,
3: Not 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 that I know of. So basically, so so far, no one has told us that Binance Coin is a security other than yourself, to be honest. Many people, some people may think that, but I think the definition of security itself is debated uh, among different parts of the world. And I think you're taking a very US centric view. And we're actually really not focused on the US. No, I'm saying, yeah,
0: it's really the US. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah, So I I think yesterday, even after you created your account, you probably could not deposit US dollars in, right? (laughs) So you you probably did not do a trade. I, I would probably guess if you created the account yesterday, you did not have any Binance coins right now. Am I correct?
0: Oh yeah, no, I, I didn't go that <laughs> far. <laughs>
3: right. right. So it's it, it's it's a it's a very contentious topic. But um, uh, at the end of the day, I think the uh, uh, I think you are taking a very U.S. centric view on things, where that's a market where we're really not focused on. We don't take the U.S. dollars. Uh, we don't touch U.S. dollars. Um, I've never. I've I've purposely avoided doing any promotion, uh, attending any events in the U.S. Just so that we we are not viewed as a U.S. company. And we don't actually target that market. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm just curious. Are, like, yeah. would would you come to a conference in the U.S.? Like, would you plan to step foot in the U.S.? Is that something that you're trying to avoid, or or do you have no fear?
3: I I don't think I I'm pretty sure I'm uh I, I will not get into trouble by going to the U.S. But number one it's kind of far. Number two, I don't really want to attract a lot of the, uh, uh I don't really want people to view Binance as a U.S. centric or focused on the U.S. We're really not focused on the U.S. We're doing promotions everywhere else. Other than the U.S. So, um, and uh, to be honest, I've actually turned down a lot of interview requests, like including Yahoo Finance and a, a, a number of other media uh, outlets in the U.S. Were very centric talking about U.S. markets, precisely because of this reason. Because all the questions about U.S. and I'm not an expert. Uh, 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 I've lived there before. I know the market. I know the language. But I'm that's not that's not where our core focus is.
0: And just out of curiosity, where do you live? Do you have a home anywhere?
3: Uh well, I don't have a house. Uh no, I don't have any I don't have any property. I don't have any real estate property. Uh I rent everywhere. So, <laughs> um I do spend about a, like I spend quite a bit of time in Singapore, uh Taiwan, Malta, um Switzerland, uh, so um I so again, people have this view like you got to have a base or you got to have somewhere in one city, right? Uh or you got to have a place. Uh I don't I don't have that problem. <laughs>
0: Well, also, if you're a billionaire, then you can maintain multiple homes.
3: (laughs) Actually, yeah. Actually, that's just... I I think economically, I can afford it, but time-wise, I can't. It's just such a headache all the time.
0: Yes. Okay. I actually, I agree with that. Um, So one thing that I also want to ask you about, though, just to go back to the regulatory question, I've seen other interviews where you've said things like, quote, we're okay to do things very creatively to avoid unnecessary regulation, Or another quote, we don't want to be in one place right now because of regulatory uncertainty. And obviously, you have this history of moving Binance's offices and servers, partly, I think, because you don't want countries to be able to easily determine if they have jurisdiction over Binance and, you know, those times when you moved out of China, you also moved out of Japan. I think you also had regulatory issues in Hong Kong. Like those three moves, I think, were due to regulatory issues. So some people that I spoke with said that to them, it seems like you are flouting the law. Do you ever worry that you are putting yourself on this path to be, to clash with regulators and that you could end up in jail?
3: Uh. Again, I think you're making uh, somebody's else, some random people's opinion to be the holy to be like a legal to be a legal enforced i don't know uh, uh, ruling or something a lot of people I could think about anything i could think of, uh, i could think i don't know donald trump's uh, violating violating the law, but what I think doesn't really matter um so i I, I actually <laughs> think the reverse I fully respect the laws of every country, every jurisdiction. And the but most people are, most people have this mindset that you gotta stay in one place and work with one government. But uh, why is that? Like why can't you go to a place to work with a government that you choose instead of always being stuck in one place and work with a government that may or may not support what you want to do? So in a new in a new in a brand new industry uh, where I'm I'm very third so. There, 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 are, there are fundamental laws, uh, right? Laws are different by country, and but the, there are fundamental stuff you can't do, uh, like uh, hurting people, stealing, scamming, uh, stuff like that. So, and there are other things like, okay, how do you classify a cryptocurrency? How do you, uh, is it a security, is it not? And this this kind of thing, different countries do it differently. So what's wrong with going to a country and choosing to live in a country where those things are more viewed favorably for you? Why do you have to be stuck in a, in a country that that are not good for, for this kind of stuff. Why? Like, this is, this is like saying, look, why don't you, why, why don't you stay? Like if you, if you, if you don't like hot places, why don't you stuck in, why don't, why don't you stuck yourself in Florida and in the sun all the time and you just don't like it, right? Why don't you go to a different city? Right? So I don't think there's any, I don't think there's anything wrong or illegal or anything or even unethical about it. I mean, that's just, it is opportunistic, but why don't you choose the good opportunities for you? we living, we live living in a world where we, where we where we seek and um, and 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 phrase, uh freedom, right? So this, why don't you use the freedom that you have, right? So it's a free world. You ch- you can choose to be in whichever country, whichever city, whichever place, and you can choose to do whatever profession you want to do within reason. Uh, that I, I think basically, cryptocurrency is a new thing. We're not doing anything strange. We're not we're not doing anything hidden. We're not doing anything uh, that's hurting people. Right. So I think that's uh, I'm not worried about it at all. I don't I don't know why people think in such narrow-minded uh, ways.
0: Well, just for the record, you know, some people that I spoke with did kind of go down that line of thinking and then other people said, Hey, and, and by the way, I just, what I did was I, I talked with kind of a bunch of lawyers who are involved in the crypto space. Cause I was kind of curious and, yeah. you know, you're right. They didn't all have the same opinion. Um, you know, one of them was like, Hey, this is a business guy. And, and in fact, frankly, it was kind of funny. He's a lawyer and he was like, don't talk about the regulatory stuff too much. It's going to be boring. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, he was like, Oh, well, I view CZ more as just like a business person, you know, sort of in the model of Uber, which, you know, obviously didn't follow all the regulations from its, you know, in its early days. So I was just kind of curious, like, how do you see yourself or or maybe you don't have, you know, some view of yourself in relationship to regulation, but I was just kind of curious, like, are you trying to make some kind of a point or, you know, do you have any particular purpose to your regulatory stance?
3: uh so i don't i don't have a um so i am so uh, i don't really have a stance against uh, or with regulatory but my, uh, our whole point is to increase the freedom of increase the freedom of choice right so we want to we we, uh, we fully believe that the cryptocurrency blockchain is a new technology that helps the world and uh, it has because of the new ne- new technology it has a, a few uncertainties in terms of regulations uh, w- or what the regulators want to do with it, but I'm not against or for regulation. I just want, so we just want to help uh, increase this adoption of crypto around the world where we can. There are certain parts of the world which uh, the tax becomes very hard, so we, uh, uh we don't do that. Uh, we we focus on parts uh, parts of the world that's are easier. We do work very closely with many many regulators and trying to help them. If they want advice from us, we will give them. If they ask us what, what's important to us, we will say it very openly. If they tell, if they ask us uh, what other parts of the world are doing uh, in their regulations, we will give them what wh- what we know. So my stance is we want to help the regulations be, become healthier, become uh, what you call. Uh, I, I, will, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even use the word right. I just want to use the word uh, appropriate for uh, more growth, for healthy growth. So we want to help. Uh, we don't view regulations as uh, we. All, I also don't view as regulations as against us. I think some regulation is good, probably. And overregulating will will kill the industry, at least in those jurisdictions where those things apply. And that will be bad for them long term. So it's actually bad for them, not bad for us. Uh, we will go elsewhere um if that happens so um, i'm not i'm not against it i just think okay it's it's a brand new game uh and we 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 already started playing the game and now we're trying to figure out the basic rules of the game uh which is basically like a bunch of kids playing games right so you first start playing and then you try to figure out some rule um so i think that's okay uh that's just how the world works um so i'm not against or for it i just want to help people make better regulations if we focus on regulations. but our real focus is actually just help people uh, get access, access to crypto.
0: We're going to discuss Transmining and Binance's upcoming decentralized exchange. But first, I'd like to take a quick break for our fabulous sponsors.
2: A startup that completed an ICO and looking to leverage Ethereum for working capital. A miner looking to buy more rigs without having to sell Bitcoin. Alt Lending can help. Alt Lending enables companies to leverage their Bitcoin or Ethereum to borrow US dollars while retaining ownership of their crypto assets. We bring years of financial and technological expertise to the blockchain space. Access to institutional capital means borrowers don't have to wait weeks to receive a loan. Our simple and efficient vetting process makes getting a loan easy. No membership tokens or complicated sign-ups required. To learn more, go to altlending.com and use promo code UNCHAINED for offer details for an interest-free month. Asset Lending. Reimagined. AltLending.com.
1: Confused by the mishmash of blockchain protocols and platforms? Let Blockdaemon worry about the best blockchain configuration for you via its multi-cloud platform. Blockdaemon supports the leading blockchain protocols, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, Stellar, Quorum, Fabric, and more. What Heroku does for the cloud, we do for blockchain networks. Easy deployment, decentralization and management of nodes, no matter what configuration. Visit blockdaemon.com/unchained and test us out for yourself. Launch a Bitcoin node free for 30 days. Learn more at blockdaemon.com/unchained.
0: This ad spot could be yours. Got a great product or service for unchained or unconfirmed listeners? reach out to Raylene at laurashinpodcast at gmail.com to find out about sponsorship opportunities on Unchained and Unconfirmed. Again, that's laurashinpodcast at gmail.com, L-A-U-R-A-S-H-I-N podcast at gmail.com. I'm speaking with CZ, founder and CEO of Finance. What do you think of Shapeshift's recent decision to implement AML-KYC? They, like you, were, you know, or I mean, and still are, at least at this moment, a crypto-to-crypto exchange and didn't have accounts. Um,
3: I don't really have any. Actually, I didn't really know that until you told me just this second.
0: Oh, <laughs> so really? Think, oh, it was such big uh, uh, news last week.
3: Uh, well, it, actually, I did hear it very vaguely, but I got distracted. I didn't read into it. Um, but I... It's it's a business it's a business decision Eric Rohe and his team probably made uh, for it's very it's very difficult to judge a business decision from the outside without knowing all the internal um, factors that that went into consideration so I think basically if they did it uh, they probably had some business reason to do it I know Eric is a very smart guy so I yeah I can't really comment on that.
0: And for listeners who are interested in more information on that, I did do an episode of Unconfirmed on this decision with Catherine Wu of Masari. So um, there's more information there. I also wanted to ask, you know, just going back to this question about whether or not coins are securities. I heard on the Epicenter BTC podcast, uh, the interview that you did with them, that you said that your process of legal review for listing coins is that you ask the token teams to get a lawyer to provide a statement asserting that their token is not a security isn't that kind of like asking the fox to guard the hen house
3: um yeah yeah yeah. i don't agree with that but what else can we do like if there's other better solutions i'm i'm all up for it
0: oh and just why like you you don't feel like you would have a legal team that could do that kind of review
3: uh well then it's, it's still it's still a bunch of lawyers who are doing that, right so right how, but how, they're not being paid lawyers? by
0: the but they're not being paid by the team that wants to try to get their token listed. Do you know what i'm saying
3: well what we would do from a business perspective is we would charge the we would charge the listening teams to to pay to cover those costs anyway so um i don't think, I don't think they're going to be hugely different. I mean, basically, right now, I, nobody knows how to determine if a coin is a security or not. There's no clear guideline uh, uh, anywhere. I think there's a Howie test, which, but the highway test fails for most cryptos, even in the U.S., because most cryptos can be transferred very, very easily, whereas most securities can't. So... Uh, yeah, i'm I'm not an expert in that area. Um, um, and uh, we rely on experts. And whether we hire them and charge that feedback to the uh, uh, coin uh, the coin teams um or they they find somebody. So right now, we're just doing what we think are the most logical thing to do,
0: and I know in general, like a lot of people are concerned about these exchanges, you know, not just issues about regulation, but also, you know concerns about things like market manipulation and other things like that. So I was just curious: Does Binance have its own internal policies and procedures regarding things like insider trading, or auditing, or any other kinds of self-regulation?
3: Uh, yes, we do have we do have some uh, rules and guidelines. So yeah, I mean our uh, our employees can hold crypto, but when they buy, they they gotta at least hold for thirty days before they sell. So this is very this is a, like a policy we learn from the banks uh, back in the way old back banking, banking days. Um, that's kind of our internal policy. We don't and we don't we don't let our employees day trade and it's not a productive thing to do anyway for most of them. And uh, uh, we discourage other uh, kinds of market manipulation. We have some AI learning tools that uh, at, uh, with risk with, with risk management now. Um, if a coin price fluctuates too heavily um and we have now uh, intervention processes um but they're relatively soft we don't have circuit breakers because the uh, crypto is traded on multiple markets so yeah we have some but they are, they're they're uh, and we're still we're slowly evolving them as well so hopefully with time they'll get more and more mature
0: and some people were saying that they think that there's wash trading and market manipulation happening on Binance they mentioned that there's often fairly high volume of trading in pretty obscure coins during short time periods that don't seem to really be tied to news. Do you try to prevent that in any way?
3: Yes. So – um uh, I think if you look at the market research uh, done by independent like uh, community members, uh, Binance is probably the only one they said they could not find any signs of uh, 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 wash trading or, or pumping volumes or fake volumes. So that's why, that's, as an exchange, we actually, we're actually very, very careful about that. Uh, but uh, on the topic of watch trading and manipulation so uh it's it's a really tricky one because basically what it how do you define manipulation how do you define watch trading so like let's say a, a bitcoin is like I don't know six sixty $6, three hundred US dollars on one exchange if some guy just want to buy it all the way on binance all, all the way on, all the way up to seven thousand US dollars the guy just has lots of money he just wants to buy um, is that manipulation or is that not it's kind of really hard to define and w- what quantity uh, if he just does one trade and comes back down I, um, um, so it's really, it's really hard to tell at what time, at what, at what stage does that become manipulation? Is it a volume? Is it just a price uh, percentage difference from other exchanges? But how, like, what about a coin that only trades on one market? So there's a lot of, uh, when you actually like conceptually, yes, if, if, if Bitcoin is 6,300 in other exchanges right now and it's traded at 7,000 in some other exchange, then most likely is some type of manipulation. But how do you define that? How do you prevent it? And like, and also, and watch trading is the same thing, right? Let's, let's say two accounts are just trading against each other um, at, at a very high percentage base. W- at what point do you do you define that as wash trading? Like, do, if they do like four orders back and forth, that's wash trading, or because they will be trading with other people as well. Even if they only want to trade against each other, they will have to trade with other people in the market. Um, so, at what point do you kick in and say we lock those accounts and or we freeze those accounts? Um, and let's say we say okay if you trade if you trade over 100k within five minutes against each other we we define that as watch trading guess what's gonna happen uh, they're gonna trade ni- 99k every five minutes <laughs> and, they, and 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 they're gonna have and they're gonna have four accounts trade or three accounts or four accounts uh, trading against each other so at what point and then we can lower it again but it's, it's a it's a it's a mouse and cat uh, cat game right so the problem is it's very hard to define scientific, like uh, quantitatively what exactly it is without them able to go in, uh, around the rules. so we do try uh, I think we're probably one of the, one of the players one of the exchanges that try the hardest in this regard that we actually don't advertise uh, but people know uh, so the, uh, the, the, the the smart traders know, and the the, uh, the, high, the 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 serious traders come to us and the rest follow. So that's why we are we are able to maintain such a lead, uh, such a lead on the uh, uh, on the uh, if you look at page views or, or, or unique views, uh, we we have such a lead right now. So people know uh, if you look at volume, uh, a lot of the volume out there is fake, uh, or at least have some fakeness to it. Um, uh, a fake is not a black and white word, uh, as I just explained before. So it's kind of really hard to define what exactly is fake volume, uh, but we are definitely one one of the most honest ones out there. So. We try. We try. It is a problem in this industry, and I think everybody should try. I think as exchange operators, we should definitely all try to be ethical, to be fair about it, and to address the issue uh, square and upfront. And uh, but also as, as as traders, as users, we should you should really uh, just uh, abandon those exchanges that have suspicious behavior and go for the legit ones.
0: Can you go into more detail on BNB for me? As far as I understand. People can use it to trade for, to pay for trading fees and they'll get a discount. They can also participate in ICOs on the Binance Launchpad. Um, Some vendors, I guess, accept it as payment and you're going to use it in the future decentralized exchange that you're creating. But I was just curious, like, what rights do holders of the BNB token have in terms of information or voting or financial rights?
3: All right. So, BNB token is not a security, it's not shares of Binance. So, those questions about rights are assuming that there are certain things which they're not. Um, So, the BNB token, as we defined, uh, have a few uh, advantages. Number one, you do get discounts if you use that to pay for fees. So, it's more like a discount card uh, 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 mechanism. And the discounts disappear after five years. So, every year, uh, the discount rate drops about half and disappears in year five. Um, and the second thing about Binance coins, is every quarter, uh, uh, Binance will use 20% of our profits and to buy back and burn them, destroy them. So basically taking more coins out of circulation. Uh, financially, this is a very similar uh, effect to giving a distri- uh, dividend distribution. Uh, but uh, mechanically, we're not sending any money, money out. We're just destroying money we have. Or we just just destroying coins we have, and um, again, there's a limit to that. We will only destroy up to half uh, uh, of all the uh, total issued amount, which is 100 million. Uh, The total 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 issued amount is 200 million, and we're going to destroy 100 million eventually. Um, Looks like it's going to take a number of years based on the current rate, because now the price of Bitcoin uh, went up so much. Now uh, we can um, uh, the destroying rate is low, but people are happy because the price went up. Um, and the third, uh, the third thing is that uh, uh, Binance Coin will be used as the uh, to pay for fees on the Binance Chain, uh, which is g- going to be on its own blockchain, a uh, a decentralized exchange. Uh, so in that regard, it's very similar to Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, it's just you can use that to pay for fees uh, if you do choose to use our uh, decent- if you do choose to use our blockchain later. Um, so that should come up uh, uh, soon as well. So we're, we're very actively working on that. And so those are the things we promised as a part of our white paper. And in addition to that, now we're, we're pushing very aggressively to get BNB adoption into other people's ecosystems. So you, you should be able to use BNB to pay for coffee. You should be able to use BNB to, um, uh, to buy airplane tickets, to travel to Australia, to do all of these uh, other things. So we fully for So BNB is not BNB does not equal to Binance shares. They 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 have no they don't have voting rights in in the company they, uh, uh, or in our team. Uh, so it's not it's not it's not securities uh, in my mind. Uh, there are people who may want to define it as s, but I don't think any any official place has defined it as is. So
0: well, that's kind of interesting to me what you said about how you want to eventually have BNB used to pay for other things because you know, typically, at least so far in the crypto space, the tokens that have been used for money are decentralized, like Bitcoin, Ether, Zcash, Monero. And here you're creating this sort of like company coin that you want other vendors to use and and for people in general to use as, as money. Is that the vision there?
3: Uh, no, uh, it's actually not a company coin. Um, so the the Binance coin itself lives on the blockchain. Right now, it lives on the Ethereum blockchain. Very soon, you will have it. Uh, we will have our own blockchain, which is also a decentralized platform. So in that regards, we're 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 the same as all the coin you just mentioned. And uh, it's not a coin uh, from uh, by the company. Uh, it's still a community. Uh, we are the issuers. We have issued it, and people have bought it, and it's been sp- spread out. And we do hold quite a large number of it, but we're not going to be able to issue anymore. So we no longer have we no longer have a lot of control on the coin. Uh, what we could control is basically we can, as we are still the very large shareholders of the coin. We are incentivized, we are financially incentivized to make the coin worth more, and we're do- we we're, we're, we're incentivized to work really hard to add more utility, to add more use cases. The more use cases the coin has, the more utility value you will have, and, and hence, the, hence the price. So we are, we are very encouraged to do that. But other than that, yeah, it's no longer… Some,
0: it, see, it's statements yeah, so, like that that make me think, oh, that sounds like a security. It's like XRP. It's, it's so similar to me. But anyway, keep going.
3: But, but I think, I think uh, working very hard to want to try to increase the value of something that you hold. Is not is not wrong that doesn't make it a security uh, um, like for example I, I evangelize for uh, Bitcoin and because I do hold it that doesn't make Bitcoin a security so uh, and we do not promise returns we do not we, we do not promise any returns we do not promise you will go up in value we're just saying that we're working very hard to in, we're just saying what we do we're working very hard to try to increase the value of binance coin and a number of other crypto coins to be honest at the same time including including Bitcoin so um that itself does not make it a security. Yeah.
0: I w- wanna ask about the tokens that you list also. Um I know that there's no one set price to have a you know, if I you know if I want to have my token listed on Binance, but what is the range of fees that I might pay for that? Like, you know, low end and high end?
3: It's usually it's usually around a couple hundred thousand dollars, to be honest. Um it's usually around that
0: range. And what do those fees cover? Why is it that expensive?
3: Well, number one, um, uh, we, there is a lot of work uh, you go, that goes on, and, that, and the work's ongoing. Whenever they have an wallet upgrade, we got to upgrade. Whenever whenever there's a security issue, there's a blockchain fork, uh, we have to do a lot of work. But uh, I will be honest that it's not a fee for work. Uh, uh, we, For us, the ROI for doing that kind of work is like we basically don't have to do it at, at all. Uh, I think uh, generating profits uh, from a platform, uh, or generating revenue from a platform is is, uh, is a high return for us. Uh, number two, uh, we provide such value for those coins. I mean, uh, the that that fee should be like is basically zero. Uh, uh, we like we provide such value for coins. We uh, giving their liquidity, giving them like our our large user base, giving them the uh, credibility because now they pass Binance review. It's worth way more. Uh, but you know, um we are profitable already we don't we don't want to destroy the market uh we want the whole ecosystem to be healthy, so many people have actually wrong perceptions about us, yeah, but if you understand the like basically if you understand the industry if you understand how much value we're providing to those projects we list um this is why none of the projects I listed on us complained about it at all, like nobody said after the list, oh they paid too much in listing fees
0: and you <laughs> Have a lot more coins available than the vast majority of exchanges. And we're kind of at this point in the development of the crypto space where probably only, you know, a handful, maybe at most a dozen of these are really going to succeed. So, how do you feel about making so much money off of at least some portion of your customers who might be speculating on bad investments and losing money?
3: Well, I think that's a, that's a very negative way to word that question. It's a, very, it's a little bit of a deceiving way to do it. Um, so most of the ICO projects are startup projects, and I think everyone should know that startup projects do have a very higher failure rate. It's the same thing as if you, uh, uh, in, the, in, in the traditional investment world, so uh, a number of, it's the same thing as, uh, 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 as the internet, right? So how many internet companies survive till today? But the internet itself did not disappear. That industry did not go away, um, and they're very they're very profitable profitable internet companies. Um, so um, it's still early stages in the industry. Uh, there's nothing that we are doing or not doing. That's uh, it's not like we it's not like we're, we're we're it's not like we're scamming users for their money. We're just we're right, just a platform I mean, that like provides you could, liquidity.
0: You could be listing so, fewer coins, like you know, only the highest quality or something.
3: So you could say the same thing about NASDAQ, right? Or, or, or uh, so like uh, is every company that listed uh, making money for their users? I don't think so. So wh- why did they list so many companies? Um, not sure. So the, the, so you're blaming the marketplace provider for for uh, for bad shops or for for bad players? We're we're just a platform provider, right? So uh, uh, a lot of people lost money investing in internet companies. But is the internet bad or is NASDAQ bad? Probably not. Right. So, uh, there, is, there are risks in investing and, uh, we're doing our best to educate users to, 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 to provide them. We're, def- we're by far the best platform now out there, uh, in, in, in both selection of coins, selection of projects, our internal process, our external process, uh, our ethical, uh, uh, values, et cetera. So we're, we're, we're by far the best. And, um, uh, but yeah, I think, think you' like at- in
0: terms yeah. of the NASDAQ comparison, the only difference is that, of course, because those are public offerings that those come with disclosures. but in the crypto space, obviously you know there there isn't that kind of thing going on, so it you know the quality of the information is probably quite variable.
3: Right, but you, but you're but you're assuming that I'm not I'm I'm not even sure if I agree with that. To be honest, um, there's, uh, but you're assuming that one one situation is better than the other, which I don't agree with. But I also don't agree with the uh, the very fundamental statement that there's more information disclosure than there is in ICOs uh, for those companies, because I, I would say there's more structured information disclosure. they they they're, they're, they're very structured. Uh, because they they have a they have a very set uh, structure in place. But uh, how many how many listed companies have fudged their financial reports? Uh, moved uh, in, uh, moved income from the next quarter onto this quarter or this quarter onto the next? Uh, how many like there's a lot of stuff that goes on which are not uh, which are questionable uh, to be honest. Because people people figure, once you make the rules of the game, people figure out how to get around the rules uh whereas in the ico space is right now there's not a lot of rules but it's really depend it's it's, it's a very crowd driven how many telegram groups decide, discuss about scams and uh, other question of behavior if you look on twitter there's a lot more information about those things that happen in the community in the crowd where i personally believe like 5000 people discuss openly discussing disclosing disclosing things about a project probably more useful than a couple analysts just sitting there getting paid very highly and providing a report. Uh, the report is more structured, yes. Um, but I'm not sure if the information quality is higher or lower. Um, I don't know. Yeah.
0: A lot of people I spoke with also were so curious about your decentralized exchange. How, how yeah. is that going to look? And why does it need its own blockchain?
3: Um, so basically, yeah. So uh, it's coming along uh, quite well, actually. Um, and uh, it's going to be a specialized blockchain just for uh, uh, trading tokens, so we want speed. So speed is, a, a fee, uh, we want speed over features. So feature-wise, it's going to be very simple. and, and But that's also why we can achieve higher speed. So, um, uh, and um, I think most people don't realize that, most people think of features when they talk about something, but they don't realize in order to achieve scale, you need speed. Uh, you actually don't need a lot of features. So even if you look at Binance.com, the number of order types or the the, the features are quite simple. Uh, But we can handle large amounts of stuff. So um, uh, that's also the same thing with our decentralized uh, blockchain. So that's basically what it is. Uh, You'll come up in a few months. Yeah,
0: and that's why the blockchain has to be, or and that's why you need your own blockchain for speed.
3: Yeah. So we uh, basically, if you use any, if you adapt any existing blockchain or use a general-purpose blockchain that can handle, that can do a lot of stuff. It's very hard to optimize for speed. Uh, we took a lot of stuff out. We're making a more specialized blockchain, uh, a, a more sp- special-purpose blockchain that's more focused on more focused on speed.
0: And I know you're probably tired of these questions, but I am so curious. Will your dex require KYC AML procedures?
3: Uh, I don't think so. I'm not. Sh- I'm not. A, I'm not. A cl- I'm not aware of any dex that that does that. Right. I mean, you can't do that right now on Bitcoin or Ethereum.
0: I think like some of them probably have relayers that couldn't do that, but yeah, you're right. Like, are, well, actually, that leads me to another question: Are you guys doing your an on-chain order book, kind of like yes, an easy delta? Uh, oh, okay.
3: Yes. So we, uh, we uh, the current plan is a on-chain order book. It's still very fast, and uh, the yeah, the um, KYC when you decentralize, who's doing it? <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> Most yeah, Ki- I- most KYC solutions are, are, are centralized, right? You gotta have some. You gotta have some centralized party who's doing the KYC, who's actually doing, looking at the passports that's uploaded, uh, running criminal checks against the centralized databases, who, and those are very costly. Those are uh, we use those. So those are very expensive. So uh, on a you know, decentralized blockchain, who's gonna do that? Who's gonna pay for it?
0: You recently acquired a crypto wallet, Trust Wallet. Why was this your first acquisition? You did admit that it doesn't even have a lot of users. So I was curious what you're trying to accomplish with this purchase.
3: Uh, it's a great product. Uh, it, it's uh, that's a great uh, so Trust Wallet is a great find. Um, it's one of those things where it's a technology team, and um, they're very focused on building a product. But they have not they've done zero marketing. Uh, only a small niche number of people know them. I have full confidence they will have a large number of users very very quickly. The product is awesome. It's by far the best wallet out there, uh, the best mobile wallet wallet out there. So, and the, uh, I met with Victor, the uh, the founder of that team. Uh, he shares exactly the same visions as we do. Um, we talked about for we. I, I had a call with him for uh, for like ten minutes, and then I had another. Uh, I met with him for 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 another couple of hours. We we got the deal done. So. Uh, I'm very very bullish on trust wallet and i think it's a great product uh they lack uh they lack a few marketing uh, skills or, or 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 ability right now which we can which we can fully complement so i think uh, that's just a no brainer um and um uh, i think by by working together both sides will, will will benefit a lot more than working separately and we both agree so
0: i'm going to actually collapse my next few questions into one cuz sure. you've been making me these these other moves like You are working on creating a crypto bank that will be user-owned. You have this $1 billion Binance ecosystem fund. So I just kind of want to hear, I mean, you have other initiatives as well, but I just kind of want to hear, you know, what your vision is of what Binance will become and what products and services users will be able to um, enjoy from Binance and also really what it means for them to be user-owners.
3: Sure. So... Um, basically, our goal is just to again increase the adoption of crypto. So, by to do that, we want to provide the core infrastructure services in this industry. We want to make the industry bigger. So, I think our goal right now is not to take more market share in this current space. We're already the biggest exchange uh, in most by most measurements. Um, but just taking market share off other people right now doesn't make any sense. What we should do is make the mar- make the make the industry ten hundred. A thousand or even one million times bigger. Um, so if we do that, then if we if we if we, if we provide if well, all Binance has to do is provide a, a few infrastructure key services in this industry, and we'll will 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 be pretty well off. So that's our goal. So um, in order to grow this industry, we gotta make investments into other uh, into other areas which we're not experts in. So if we're not experts, we should just invest in others who are experts and let them do the let them do the do their job. So this includes wallets, uh, faster blockchains, um, payment services, uh, even gaming infrastructures. Um, other like uh, there's a lot of other infrastructure stuff going on. So that's kind of our investment uh, arm. And also right now, uh, banks are um, not uh, banks are a bottleneck for uh, money flow. And we want to increase the freedom there as well. So we, we, want, to, uh, we want to work closely with banks to increase the flow between, to increase the uh, uh, bandwidth of, uh, uh, to, or at least increase the freedom of exchange between fiat and crypto. And uh, we can work with banks, we can acquire banks, and we can set, uh, try a few things ourselves. So all of those are different experiments we're doing trying to make the industry bigger. Um, the goal yeah, is to make the industry bigger.
0: And just out of curiosity for this crypto bank, how is that different from a wallet exactly? I don't know if I really know what the difference is.
3: Uh, uh, that, that crypto bank holds fiat. That's a fiat bank. So that's a, tr- a traditional paper money uh, bank, whereas Trust Wallet it holds only crypto. Uh, that's a wallet for holding your coins. Uh, those two are very different things. The bank is still going to be regulated by the banking regulators, etc. So it's a more of a f- crypto-friendly bank, uh, but it's still a bank. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: And so earlier I mentioned that I wanted to chat about transmining. Um, this is kind yeah. of a really interesting phenomenon. Can you explain what that is for listeners and also why you're critical of it?
3: Sure. Um, transmining is a very uh, innovative way for uh, uh, distribution of their initial coins, which is basically a, a, a more complex or more uh, convoluted uh, ICO uh, mechanism. Uh, basically, you pay for commission fees and get the coins, which is the same as you pay Bitcoin, buy a coin, which is just a slightly different mechanism. Um, but the whole fundamentals, uh, uh, it was very um, in, it was very innovative in, in concept, but uh, in reality, the um, economics don't work. And it's basically every, everybody who did it turned out to be intentionally or unintentionally turned out to be a scam. Basically, anybody who participated, most of them lo- lost money. So uh, it doesn't work. And all the exchanges who are doing it have stopped. Um, I've been saying that since like three or four months ago when they started. But uh, some people believe me, some people didn't. But the results are pretty clear now. So I think that's a thing of the past. And um, just stay off transmining. <laughs> it's the it's it's short answer of it.
0: Right. It's like the exchange would kind of basically reimburse you, your trading fee, in their coin. And you were saying it was like kind of another way of doing an ICO, Right.
3: Yes, but like they do, they do, they do things very. Uh, so um, there's a few different variations of it, but the most basic model is okay. So you pay for, let's say, one bitcoin in in commission fees. They give you one bitcoin equivalent in the platform coin, but at the same time, they also unlock 100% equal in value uh, the team's portion, and they give you 20% extra for the guy who referred you. So now there's 220% being released into market of the platform coin. But only one, only 100% mm-hmm. of the uh, Bitcoin going in. Over time, the coin price is going to drop, uh, given that demand supply. That that uh, that's that's just very basic. Um, and mm-hmm. um, there's a bunch of other things they, they 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 paint like they paint very rosy pictures around it, like dividend on on commission fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But uh, at the end of the day, the model doesn't work. It's it's fun. It's innovative, uh, but uh, uh, financially, it just doesn't work.
0: Last question for you. You know, this kind of goes back to the beginning of the interview when you were talking about how you have spent time both in the West and in Asia. And I know you continue to do that, obviously, when you were saying that you keep rentals in Malta and Switzerland and I, I forget the uh, Singapore, I forget the other places. But I'm so curious to know how would you compare and contrast Asia's cryptocurrency scene with the American scene or the Western scene?
3: Um, the crypto scene in different in different countries, the continents are very interesting, actually. So I think in um, in America, that's all is all about uh, AML. Uh, so it's all it's re- like the regulations are really more more about terrorists. So how do we uh, control and stop those terrorists? Um, and uh, so doing exchanges in the US is very very difficult because of the money anti money laundering laws. But U.S. is very technology savvy. So there's a very strong startup scene. So anything that involves technology innovation is, is, is highly encouraged and it's quite easy. So there's a lot of new use cases uh, in the U.S., um, different, te- different th- things other than exchanges. Um, there's, only, there's only a very small handful of exchanges in the U.S. Europe is quite interesting where the user adoption is probably the highest. You can pay for food. You can pay for hotels. You can, you can register a company and pay lawyer fees all in crypto. Um, so um, uh, Europe, given that it's a European Union, and they kind of uh, they don't view their own currency as a very strong thing. So that and they they also know cross-border transactions, etc. So there's a very high um, adoption on uh, on usability there. And in Asia, it's kind of divided. Um, uh, in China, there's, there are a lot of exchanges, even though exchanges are supposed to be banned. Uh, but there are a lot of. <laughs> Uh, but there are, I mean, basically, what does that mean, right? So you register a company offshore and your team's still in China and you have like a, a thousand people team in China. Everybody knows where they are. Everybody knows who they're working on. But they claim to be a subcontractor of the, company, of the offshore company, which they're different, of course. So then they're OK. And the Chinese, uh, the Chinese mentality is very different from the rest of Asia, where they have a whole mentality of following other people who make quick money. Um, they, they, the the making mm-hmm. quick money mentality is very very strong in China. I guess because of the uh, less uh, the lesser stability uh, economically and politically potentially. So uh, people are more uh, uh, things change too quickly and people are very. If you have a ten year plan, three months later it's going to be shuttered because the a new regulation <laughs> comes out. Um, so people just focus on three months. Uh, so China is a very different market. And whereas China's completely banned um, payments. And also the domestic uh, traditional payments for uh, WeChat Pay and Alipay are very strong. Like nobody, use, nobody carries cash in China. Um, so it's, it's all electronic money. It's, um, so that's also very convenient, which kind of dwarfs the payment needs for uh, Bitcoin, either uh, for crypto as well. Uh, outside of China it's very is very interesting. Japan is very interesting. C- Japan's very pro crypto, but their regulations on exchanges are too dense. There's just too many rules, and it's, uh, it's very hard for those guys to compete. So and Korea is very interesting. Korea has a hundred percent adoption on, on crypto. Everybody has crypto, as of some kind. So so any, any and also Korea has one of those democratic and um, uh and less powerful governments. Any politician that's against crypto gets voted down very quickly. Uh, Singapore's interest. So Singapore's interesting. Singapore's like kind of wait and see. They're very strict on financial controls, and they kind of it's a smaller economy, or smaller uh. It's a smaller country in terms of population, so uh, but it's very open in terms of uh, looking at new things. Um, so the world is very interesting. Africa is just getting started. Um, yeah, so uh, it's a very interesting world. Um, I think what's going to happen in the future is going to be more exciting than what happened in the past.
0: You know, I actually... Do you mind if we take one minute? And I just want to ask you one last yeah, question. Sure. You were on the cover of Forbes last winter for the issue covering the Forbes crypto rich list and at that time it estimated your net worth was between 1 and 2 billion and obviously this happened what was it it was um i guess 7 months after you launched Binance how did it feel to amass so much wealth so quickly
3: to be honest i, I actually don't feel that much different um i don't spend any money that's the that's the problem <laughs> so, uh, the only difference so they, I actually don't spend a lot more uh, – I don't spend – I don't have a car. I don't, ha, I don't have a yacht. I don't have a private jet. I have none of those things. I buy just electronics, and um, uh, I fly like uh, business class. So that's the only difference it makes for me. Um, but what's more interesting is I, uh, it does – getting on the cover of Forbes did make men, uh, mentorship for me, which is I I, no, I should no longer care about money, which is what that thing taught me. So I actually don't think about money anymore. And the most expensive resource I have now is time, which is the same for everybody. It's very fair—24 hours a day for everybody. So time is the most limited resource, and there's no way to expand it. So that changed my thinking a little bit, but it didn't change me financially or my ch- my spending habits. None of those things. And actually, it kind of, it, it happened so quickly, it kind of destroyed my interest in money or or, the, or those other expensive hobbies, or getting on yachts, getting like I don't know expensive food. I, I, that kind of destroyed it for Atlanta. me actually because. Or a Lambo, because I, when I see guys driving a Lambo, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I can buy one if I want to. But do I want to? Nah. I've never said I've never seen I'm never setting a Lambo in my life and I've never taken a private. I've never taken a private jet in my life so far. But I know that if I want to, I could. That's all it matters.
0: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with you about time being the most precious resource. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for accommodating that last additional questions because because of how precious our time is. This has been an incredibly fascinating discussion. I've really, really enjoyed it. Where can people learn more about you and Binance?
3: Um, I think most most of most of our stuff is pretty public. Just Google us. It's pretty it's pretty simple. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. Well thanks for yeah. coming on Unchained.
3: All right. Thank you so much, Laura. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. To learn more about CZ and Binance, check out the show notes inside your podcast episode. New episodes of Unchained come out every Tuesday. If you haven't already, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you liked this episode, share it with your friends on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And if you're not yet subscribed to my other podcast, Unconfirmed, I highly recommend you check it out and subscribe now. Unchained is produced by me, Laura Shin, with help from Raylene Gallipoli, Fractal Recording, Jenny Josephson, Rahul Segureti, and Daniel Ness. Thanks for listening.